Spirit, lead me where my trust is without borders. You know, I think a lot of times we just sing stuff, say stuff, without really paying attention because something's on a wall. What's it saying? Lead me where my trust is without borders. That means there's a possibility for increase for anyone that's here today. Because we all have borders. Lead me to where my trust will be without borders. Let me walk upon the waters wherever they may call me. Next frame. Take me deeper than my feet could ever wander. Amen. Thank you. Amen. You may be seated. Good morning. How are y'all? Thank you. Praise team. Nathan, you might have to take some extra Cheerios to play that, uh, that uh, redemption song. That's a lot for a drummer to do, and he did a good job. Praise God. All of them did. Well, we're glad that you're here this morning. You're glad that you're here? Well, let me ask you this way. How many would you rather be here than the best than the best hospital in, in, in Jefferson Amen. County. Amen. How many would rather be here than prison? Amen. Ooh, I heard all the amens. <laughs> Praise God. We want to go just a little bit deeper than we did last week. We talked about some things concerning the kingdom of God. You know, uh, it might be a surprise to many people. Jesus didn't say go build church. He said build kingdom. Amen. Huh? A lot of things we do because we call this the church, we call the building the church. Really, the building's not a church. Just how many know that we're the church? Amen. We're the ecclesia. We're the ones, the word ecclesia means called out from. I think it has at least a twofold meaning. It means we've been called out of darkness, the kingdom of darkness. We've been, and we've been called out of that kingdom into what? The kingdom of light. The scripture says that we are, as believers, we are children of light. <coughs> Called unto light. Amen? Amen. And so uh, we are called to, uh, to be who we not used to be because we've become something new. How many know that you've become the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus? Amen. You know, I used to think years ago, somehow, I, I, I don't know where I got this from. I, well, I actually, I do know where I got it from, but I'll keep that to myself. <clears throat> Most of what we get from comes from this place right here, the, the pulpit. But we need to always check up on the pulpit. We can have respect towards those who, who read and study the Word. But you need to know for yourself, don't you? Amen. Right? You need to know for yourself. Amen. And so when we read for ourselves, we find out that he who knew no sin, Jesus, he became sin so that we could become the righteous of God in Christ Jesus. How many believe these are the last days? Amen. How many know there, there's at least uh, one less day than there was yesterday? Yeah. <laughs> right? How many know when you get over 30, life seems to, to excel really fast? And that's what I found out when I turned 30 last year. It seemed like things are, have been moving at a faster pace. And anyway, so it may not, if it's not the last days, that I mean, we have a whole lot of time, so we want to make our time count. How many know that you're here for a reason? And one person can make a huge difference. Amen. One person. I want to uh, encourage you, so I don't forget about it, to exercise your vote exercise your responsibility to vote Tuesday on Super Tuesday, you think it, uh, whether you think it's a foregone conclusion or not. Uh, I won't get into that. I'm going to stay right here with uh, what's in front of me. That's not that I don't have an opinion, but I'll keep mine to myself as much as I can. Praise the Lord. <laughs> Amen. 
Uh, change is here to stay. Growth and maturity, however, is optional. And so we're in a time of, uh, we're in a time of change. And so uh, we just need to, uh, if you don't know, know for sure, then you, you really need to seek God's guidance. Sometimes the most popular thing is not always the right thing. And, uh, you know, uh, no matter who's there or who's not there, uh, presidents come and presidents go, but God always remains. So we have a responsibility as much as we do a, a privilege to be able to vote, to have a voice, and uh, it's, it's the, a privilege that costs many uh, much and costs some all their lives so that we would have the privilege to go down to the place we go down to and say, I cast my vote for so-and-so. There's still many places in the world that, that they don't have that right to do so. And so we want to make sure that we're, we, uh, we exercise that. Um, if you'll go with me to, to Matthew 10, 7 and 8, we talked about, once again, the kingdom of God last week. And we talked about that everywhere the kingdom was preached, we saw over and over and over. Well, the reason we did that is, you know, I don't, we don't want to just pull an isolated text out of somewhere and say, well, this is how this works and this is how this works. But uh, if it's line upon line, precept upon precept, then it would be a foregone conclusion because, you know, a lot of things works like um, God created laws. And in this world, we have natural laws. We have the, the laws of this city. We have the laws of this state. We have the laws of uh, the United States and of this government. Well, God also has laws. One law he called is the law of faith. God, God also created gravity. How many know gravity works? You may say, well, I don't believe in it. Well, it still works, right? And uh, how many know gravity works everywhere for all time for all people? If you don't believe so, then go somewhere to a high place and jump off, and you'll believe in it somewhere along the line. So it all works. There's a, there's a faith. There's a, called the law of faith. It works for everyone who participates with it. Jesus said, he said, all things are possible to everyone who believes. But we, we usually quote the other verse that says all things are possible to God. Right? So he equates that. So I'm saying, well, I, I, I'm just trying to, if it, I, I'm just praying for more faith. I can help you with that. Stop. So it wasn't, it wasn't the amount of faith, is it? He said, if your faith is, is as small as a grain of mustard seed, he said, faith would do this. If you had faith, you would do this. In other words, if you had faith, you would just say to this mountain, be thou removed and be cast into the, into the sea. They were recalling that Jesus had rebuked the, the fig tree in Mark chapter 11 uh, the day before, then coming back out of Jerusalem. Peter looked at it, and, and he had, a, he had a, a meltdown moment, and he said, Jesus, look. He said, look, you, you, you said this yesterday, and it came to pass. And Jesus didn't say, well, it did. No, what did he say? He said, oh, Peter, have faith in God. In other words, the margin of many of your Bibles might say, have, have God kind of faith or have the God kind of faith. What does the God kind of faith do? Well, it believes something and it says something, and it believes that what it says come to pass. Amen. 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 Now, I have something this morning that I, I believe will strengthen you, and we're going to take another turn for it because we are the last day's church, I believe. And so we'll have, to, we'll, we'll have to be strengthened in some things. In Matthew 10, 7 and 8, it says, As you go, now notice it didn't say as you sit. You know, the Great Commission was a go commission. It's a do commission, right? In other words, it wasn't as you hold down your, your pew or hold down your chair. It's as you go. So he said, as you go, do this, proclaim, saying the church. No, the what? 
The kingdom is right there, in your, right there in front of you. The what now? The kingdom of heaven is at hand. Then he gave some instructions to the disciples. How many know that you're a disciple? Heal the sick, cleanse the lepers, raise the dead, cast out demons. Freely you received, freely do what? So let's just break this down to what he said here. So he's saying, as you go, in other words, you have to go to them. They won't come to you. Evangelism is where you go, is where uh, evangelism, where they come to you is not real evangelism. Real evangelism is, is we go to them. We walk out the door of our house to their house. So whenever, where you go, so as you go, what are you going to do? You're going to preach. Now, here's, here's what he didn't say. He didn't say suggest. He didn't say make an offer. He didn't say argue. He didn't say defend. Preach means to herald or proclaim or to tell a story or to share with. I said this last week, preach is not necessarily what I'm doing. I am doing that, but if, if, if we put preach in, oh, you're, you're a preacher. You, you're a preacher. You're a minister of re- reconciliation. You're a preacher at your workplace. You're a, you're a preacher at the restaurant. You're a preacher at the ball game. In other words, you're someone who can sh- share and tell a story. 5% of the body of Christ, 5% of the people in ministry do what I do. So I, I, am, a my, I am a minority. You are the majority. You have the, the most voice and the loudest voice that there is. I make up the least of all this thing. But yet sometimes we say, well, it's the, this is left to the preachers. Well, if it is, Jesus didn't know that. And did you know Jesus didn't have a pulpit? T.L. Osborne said the greatest minister in the New Testament, all he had was a dusty trail. Right? So he said, as you go, teach and share I, in other words, I, I want to get it off the homiletics. Mm-hmm. He, didn't, he didn't do that. See, that, 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 won't, that, that probably doesn't work at your workplace. I want to tell you this morning. Mm-hmm. You, you know, that, that's just not going to work around assembly line number 47. Right? In other words, as you have a talk, right? I mean, do you, do, do, do you, pull, up to, do you pull up to McDonald's and say, Combo number three or four, I just can't decide. Mm-hmm. Give me just a moment. Huh? They might call the police to see if you just had a little bit too much tea for you got there, or what's in the tea, right? So in other words, he said, as you go, act normal. Right? I know preachers can get excited and all that, but most of it, I'll just be honest with you, is entertainment live. He didn't say go entertain. He said just share. See, the, 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 the more we do from here that's not duplicatable, the less action we'll have out there. Right? If you think you have to go, mm-hmm. and white folks ain't good at that no way. <laughs> Especially if you're like, but you can't sing. Mm-hmm. So he said, in other words, just share. Preach means just to share, to tell, to give a testimony, uh, to teach, to proclaim something. And here's what we're going to preach. We're going to tell them the kingdom of heaven is at hand. Your message is a declaration of the kingdom of of a king, kingdom. You can't have a, a kingdom without a, without a king. This is the kingdom of God. So we have a what? We have a king. There is a king. How many know what his name is? There you go. Y'all are smart. Look at there. So your message is the present rule and reign of God. Kingdom means rule. Kingdom means reign. So our message is we have a king and this is a present day rule and reign of God. We're to say the kingdom of God is near, or the, or the kingdom of God is here. 
I, came, I, I heard you were not feeling well. I heard you were sick. And the kingdom of God in a believer is in you. So the kingdom of God has come to you. The kingdom of God is near you. So wherever you go, heaven resides. You are, uh, Ephesians 2 says, you are the habitation, you are the dwelling place. I'm about a real plain, you are the address of God. Amen. You are God's starting point. Amen. God likes mobile homes because he believes in a mobile throne. He wants, his th he wants his throne to move out to people who are hurting. You are a mobile throne. Amen? So the kingdom of God is at hand. That, that's our message. So we say Jesus is king. We say Jesus is Lord. We say the rule and reign of God is on the earth. The kingdom of heaven, God, Jesus, is what we see in heaven. Now, if he was in heaven, here's some things you wouldn't see. You wouldn't find anybody sick. You won't find anybody in pain. You'll find no person who's depressed. You can't find even a speck of fear in heaven. Why? The will of God is being done. Jesus told his disciples, they said, will you teach us how to pray like you pray? Because we notice when you pray, amazing things happen. He said, yeah, pray like this. He said, pray that as it is, on, as it is in heaven, so let it be in the earth. In other words, as, as, as heaven is doing, let's, let's let earth duplicate that. Amen. So he's saying, bring, he says, bring heaven to earth. You know, if we, if we would start letting the heaven in us excrete from us, come out from us, not, not just knowing that the greater one lives in us, but why does he live in us? He lives in us so that he can live through us. To touch hurting humanity, because humanity is hurting. The world needs Jesus. You agree with that? If you don't, you had not watched the news in the last 10 years. The world needs Jesus. Amen. And, and only when we make him king and lord will any, any part of the earth ever be great again. No man will make America great again. No man has the power to make America great again. Don't, don't believe all that. No man. You might have done some great things, but you'll not make America great again. The scripture says those who acknowledge God as Lord... He said, that nation will see greatness. Huh? If we're waiting for someone, a Republican, a Democrat, an entertainer, or whatever it is to make America great again, we are sadly lacking. Right? Now, we, we, we know this is our system of government. I told you I was going to stay off that, and I'm staying off of it right now. <laughs> and it's our responsibility, and certainly we need to fill the slot. But my trust is in the Lord. Amen. Huh? Amen. Because I, I believe, no, I'll stay off that. Stop that. Stop it. Stop it. Okay. So then he said, heal the sick. He said, don't pray for them. He said, what? Let's see if I can read that. Was that in that scripture? Tell them the kingdom of God was heaven. Uh, start a prayer chain. You ever been on a prayer chain? I, I, I just don't know why I always got the, the wee hours of the morning. I, get, I, always, I always got put in that two to four slot. 
Someone else got the 9 to 11, you know, while he's watching Oprah. How spiritual are you at 2 o'clock in the morning? You know, that's the, that's the greatest time of the, the greatest odds to stub your toes from 2 to 4 in the morning. When you're, you ever woke up like that and you just need to go to the facilities, then you're just like, oh, what day is this? And your brain's kind of warming up. What, what day, what day is this? And you're saying, let it be Saturday, let it be Saturday. And it's Tuesday. <laughs> right? So you get up to pray, Lord, uh, Lord, uh, help. Uh, what is her name? Uh, yeah. Right? That's not just a real spiritual moment, right? Well, he didn't say start a, pr- a prayer chain, did he? So this, he said, do what? Heal the sick, cleanse the lepers, raise the dead, Cast out demons freely you have received. Now, he didn't say raise all the dead. Some people need to stay that way. Amen. Hallelujah. I'll get off that one too. So if we want examples, we need to look at Jesus and the apostles. How you do it. In other words, you may have a different model of doing it. God doesn't do away with your personality. He uses your personality. The method is not as important. It's not the only thing that matters. It's, it's getting results. Now, uh, this is one of those things today that I just uh, happened to me again this morning. And uh, I hope I can read my own writing. I wrote about as fast as I think I've ever written in my life. Some things, some things that I want to say anyway. But so, um, you know, there's, as we're, as we're going towards these things, um, we're going to see that there's going to be some things that we're, we haven't moved in yet. There's a, there's a proving out of these things. What I mean by that is Romans 12 says, don't be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the what? The, not the removing. Some people just remove their mind, but he said, but, but don't remove it. He said, just what? Renew it. So that there would be a proving of what is the good and perfect acceptable will of God. There are some things that, that, that have to be proved out. And I want to encourage you this morning, if, you've been, if you're one of those, and I know there's several here this morning, that you have a, a heart for people, you have a, hurt, a heart for the sick, because you have the, heart, you have the heart of Jesus. Jesus was moved with compassion. In other words, he just didn't pray prayers, say, oh, God, help him. He, he actually got out there and, and moved. He was moved with compassion. To, to, to reach the lost and the hurting and the sick and the oppressed and the depressed. If Jesus was here, he'd still be doing the same thing today. Acts 1, in the very first, in the very first verse of that, says this is the things that Jesus began to do and teach. In other words, in Acts 1, he said, I'm not finished. I've started something, now you as my disciples, you, you take the cause and you take it further. Okay? So we need, we need to have what I'm going to call a reconditioning of the mind. A metamorphosis, a change. All of us have different backgrounds. And whether we like it or not, sometimes, uh, and, and there may be great experiences. Uh, I'm thankful for mine because I was saved. But as time went on, as I began to study the Word, there's some things that I wish I hadn't learned the way that I learned them because I'm having to redo them. In other words, we, we build these fences and we say everything has to fit within this. And we find out that God's borders are greater than our fence line. And so we have a hard time receiving something that they didn't tell us in Sunday school when we were seven years old. 
So we, we, we you know, the, Jesus said it's the traditions of men that makes the Word of God ineffectual to you. So sometimes we accept a tradition for the truth, and in all reality, it may not be truth. The Bible says the Holy Spirit is the, is the Spirit of truth, which means He's the Spirit of reality. In other words, He said, I can take this Word, Jesus is the Word, and I can take the Word, and I can make the words as real to you, reality to you, more real to you than you putting the hand in front of your face and say, that's my hand. So we, we can take all kind of things based on assumptions and based on experiences that we can create a doctrine that is not the doctrine of the Word of God. We can say, that, well, because this turned out this way or this didn't turn out this way, it must mean that God, sometimes He does this and sometimes He doesn't do this. But, but you have to have something here, substantial, to prove that out. And when we don't get the results we want, sometimes we formulate new doctrines within ourselves to comfort ourselves or to explain away why certain things didn't happen. People say, well, you know, it's not my fault. I prayed for them, you know, that they should have got healed because I did so-and-so. Well, it'd be great, but let me tell you this. The examples in the scriptures, Jesus didn't put the burden on the person to have faith. Matter of fact, in his day, let's just be real honest, no one really had faith like you have faith. Why? Because no one was born again. In Jesus' day, when he preached, he was preaching to people who had just natural faith. You have natural faith, but you also have supernatural faith. What's natural faith? Natural faith is you got here this morning, you sat down in the chair, you just believe the chair is going to hold your weight up. You didn't look to see if we kind of took a little saw and kind of sawed it a little while to pull a practical joke within 30 minutes, it's going to fall to the ground. Now, you use natural faith when you get on the airplane. You get on the airplane, you don't know who the pilot is. You don't ask to meet him. You don't ask for his credentials. You don't know if it's a baboon smoking marijuana that they're flying thing. You just get on them and they'll take you 30,000 feet in there and you don't know who's in there. Why? That's natural faith. You go to the restaurant and you get the salt shake and you begin, but you don't know if someone's kind of unscrewed it three quarters away and it's fixed and all come out in your feet. Why? Because you have natural faith. So Jesus taught people who had natural faith. That's why I quoted Mark eleven twenty three. He said, had the faith of God. Now listen to this. In the epistles, Paul, in, in any of the epistles, none of the disciples or the apostles ever told a believer to have faith in God. So, when I said that, some of you never thought about that before. You say, well, I don't believe that. Well, I, I understand. I didn't believe it either. But I've studied and studied and studied and studied and studied and studied. And you can't find anywhere that the apostle or disciple of Jesus after the resurrection of Christ, Paul never told a believer to have faith in God. You know why? Because as believers, they had the faith of God. In other words, what he tried to get them to do was just act on it. In other words, the easiest thing for a believer to do is what? What does a welder do? And what does the paint do? What's the center do? And a believer does what? His disciples saw Jesus operating in the supernatural, so they asked him, they said, what must we do to be able to do the works that you do? And, and, and this is important to answer because this is, this is a key to the supernatural. What must I do, Jesus, to do the same works that you do? And Jesus answered the question. He said, believe. Believe. He didn't say fast. He didn't, say, he didn't say pray. You say, you're getting faster praying? No, you're not listening. I'm just telling you what he didn't say. He didn't say go to Sunday school. He didn't say tithe. He didn't say have a fifth Sunday single dinner on the grounds and fight the fire ants. He said do what? 
He just said, believe. What do I do to do the works of God? I believe. What did you do, what, what did you do to become righteous? Some say, well, I'm not righteous. Oh, you mean you're not saved? Well, that's good. This is a great day for you to get saved. If you're born again, you're righteous. How righteous are you? 100%. I don't know why I thought when I got to heaven they was going to have a righteous one and bring me up to speed when you come in the door. <laughs> you, you, you do know that you, you, you are the righteousness of God in your spirit. Amen. Now, your behavior hadn't all caught up to that yet, and your mind hadn't caught up speed to that either. But it's in the renewal process. But, but in your spirit, all of God's in your spirit. In your spirit, Ephesians said, it's been sealed off. Why? So sin can't touch it and demons can't touch it and your goofed up mind can't touch it sometimes. Huh? When God deals with you, he talks to you. He talks to you spirit to spirit. He bypasses this noggin right here because it has complications going on sometimes. Right? But your spirit is smart. He that is joined to the Lord has become one spirit, 1 Corinthians 6, 17. He that's been joined to the Lord, joined. That means put together. That means he that's joined to the Lord has become laminated. Laminate floor. Pavers put together so tightly that you don't know where one ends and the other one begins. Where do you end and Jesus pick up? Nobody knows. Christ in you, the hope of glory. So he didn't, he didn't say do this and you become righteous. He, told Abra the, the, he, he preached to Abraham the gospel. He gave him a preview of the gospel and showed him how he was going to use Abraham and his descendants to bring in all of us. And through that lineage, Jesus would come. And it said that Abraham heard it, the gospel, and he believed what God told him. And God said, because you believe that, I declare you to be righteous. Not because you did anything. Abraham did all kind of weird stuff. Weird stuff. Just like Moses did weird stuff. People do weird stuff. Only a couple of us are, are straight. <laughs> Me and one other. Where are you at? Yeah, I see them hands. <laughs> right? Abraham did some weird, crazy stuff, right? But think about it. How, how, you know, uh, a man and his wife, and she's unable to have children. I mean, she's 75, and at the time, I mean, the, the, you know, the, the miracle isn't that you, you had a baby at that, at your, the miracle is that you even want one. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> 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 they must have had a lot of good help. I mean, I haven't met a 75-year-old who even wanted a baby. Most 75-year-old ladies... You know, if, if an angel shows up and says, you shall have a child this time next year, she'd say, get behind me, Satan. <laughs> i got plans. I've done that. We're only letting the best of the grands come through now. Right? Well, anyway. So here we are. They're having these children, you know. And uh, they try to work all this stuff out. You ever try to work anything out? You ever, you ever, no one here has ever helped God, have you? I'm going to go admit I have twice. I tried to help him twice. I'm just going to advise, it, it doesn't work. I mean, the, the, they wanted this promise to happen. It came to them, God spoke to them, and nothing was happening. And now, what happened? Disappointment set in. That's where we're going to go today. Disappointment began to set in. 
You ever been disappointed because you had a promise, you had a desire, you had, someone gave you a prophecy. God woke you up four o'clock in the morning and all your hair stood up and, and, and even if you was bald, it still stood up, right? And you had this promise and you believed it, but time went by. It just passed by and just seemed like nothing happened. Or else it went the other way, it even got worse. I prayed for a lot of people, they didn't get better, they got worse. First person I prayed for that was dying, did. Second one too, third one too. Made me want to quit praying for him. Because I, I, I went there and Satan would just deal with me. He says, he says, you don't help them, you kill them. I, and I thought, I've killed them. I, well, no, they were, they were leaving anyway, right? But guess what? They were all Christians. They're born again. Try to go up and ask one to come back. They said, get, get behind me, Satan. Right? They're not leaving there. Would you leave some, would you leave some place, you know, um, would, you, would you leave a place like heaven? Would you leave a place called Paradise to come to Jemison? Because there's two subways, one down there, one at the interstate. <laughs> I don't care how fresh the vegetables are, right? No. Did you know Earth is the, is the smallest thing that we're ever going to do? Right? Do you know you'll be in heaven so long and you won't even know it's long? It'll just be forever and ever and ever and ever and ever and ever and ever. Joy unspeakable, full of glory. This is the least amount of time we're going to do anything. Did you know you have more reason to be happy than anybody in the world because you are born again Christians? Huh? But we don't come in. We just come in like a bunch of sad sacks sometimes. Just get a little bit, try to get through next week. When I was 16, they was rationing out gas. Used to go down to a little convenience store and I don't know, Miss Jones, there's no way she could be alive now. She'd be about 170 if she was. Anyway, I know she was elderly lady. And uh, gas was rationed out and, and all you could get was $5 if you had $5. Of course, in my time, you could get some gas for $5. It's cheap now, but it was even cheaper then, right? And that's, that's sometimes what we do. We go to church and we say, well, give me $2 worth. Had a rough week. Give me $2 worth. All right. Thank you, preacher. We'll see you next Sunday if Lord's will and Craig don't rise. Well, I'm going to be here Wednesday. Oh, well, we don't do that. Okay. We might better get $4 worth. Right? And that's about all we do. We just drag on. But then your spirit's all of heaven. Some say, well, I just, I just need to pray and hope God hears me. What you looking up for? He ain't there. He's down there. Your, your prayers don't have to get past the ceiling. They're down here. You by your own mission says, said that he lives inside of you. Huh? Well, we're, just gonna, we're gonna pray and get a bunch of people praying. Until we bombard get the gates of heaven. We're going to scale over God's walls and attack. You're going to attack God? Well, we're just going to get a bunch of folks. See if we can change God's mind to do something he thought of. Oh, dear God. But see, this is the stuff I grew up with. So then when I needed to work, 
I couldn't get it to work. And I began to not question my church. I didn't begin to question my doctrine. I began to question the nature of God. So when things happen, we didn't understand. We just say, well, all good things work together for good love God. And we don't know, but we'll understand one day. You know, you know God may, he may bless you, he may hook you. We don't ever know. But God knows what's best for us. Well, that's stupid theology. Right? Maybe we weren't always being led. Maybe the scripture says that the things don't work together when people are working together for good if people are ignorant. Remember he says people are destroyed for lack of what? Not because God, God, you know, most people paint God as he's schizophrenic. One day he loves you, going to bless you. Next day he's Jekyll. Walking high, ah, right? Well, he, he's the same yesterday, today, and forever. Amen. The easiest way to understand the Bible is just go to John 10, 10. Jesus, Jesus himself said, when Satan comes, he's going to come steal, kill, and destroy. But when I come, I'm going to bring you life. And I'm going to bring it to you in abundance Amplify says, I'm going to give you life, a life that you can enjoy. He wants you to enjoy your life. Amen. Amen. You know, the gospel is called good news. Actually, that's not even true. Actually, in the Hebrew, it's so wild, nobody wants to say it. If you ever, start, if you ever studied the Hebrew route, it really means nearly too good to be true news. It's too good that we're almost embarrassed to tell you about it. Good news for a good day. Amen. Amen. So can, let's go on with this thing. So we want to sometimes turn disappointments into divine appointments. Pastor Bill Johnson, he said, it's vital to keep, it's vital to feed on what God is doing more than what he's not doing. It's vital that we focus on what God is doing more than what he's not doing. Maybe you say, well, he's not healing. Maybe he's healing the family. So you don't really know what's going on in their heart anyway. I remember a number of years ago trying to get a man healed who really didn't want to be healed. He said he did. He acted like he did. He said he didn't. But he had a lot of reasons he wanted to leave. In my scriptures, I couldn't get him to turn around and go the other way. He wasn't that, He's only in his 50s. He wanted to go another way. He, he had disappointments in his life. And no matter what I said, heaven looked better, and it is better. You know, Paul said this, it's not even better. He said it's far better. He said, you know, whether to go, whether to stay, he said, nah. He said, you know, for me, it's better if I go. When Paul left, theologians say Paul was probably 57 years of age. Now, he had some help leaving, you understand? Right? I mean, they killed him, right? But they couldn't kill him before, before he f had finished his course. They made threats many times. One time he was in prison, they said, tomorrow we'll do so-and-so with you. He said, in other words, they said, tomorrow's the end of your, that's it, it's over. He said, you know, I ain't decided. You know, for an inmate on death row, he said, I ain't decided. Well, he could say that because, you know, he, he, he'd already worked that out in Acts 16, right? Where they, he had preached and they beat him and they put him in stocks and bonds and, they, and, they, uh, and it was midnight, right? And, and Paul and one, one evangelist, he never went to school, but he, he loved God and became a preacher. But he, 
and never went to school. So he said, and he just really stirred the emotions of the people. And he says, then Paul was there, and they were about to take his life, and they put him, they put him and his wife Silas in prison and their little son Timothy. <laughs> and told them how they beat him and all that kind of stuff and got all the people stirred up. And they said 200 of those mountain people in Tennessee got saved. Of course, Silas wasn't his wife or a woman. <laughs> and Timothy wasn't a little boy. Makes a really good story. And 200 people actually did get saved. So stay with the story. When you're in Rome, do as Rome, right? So here they are. And so they're, they're, they're in there. Are they complaining? Is Paul and Silas complaining? No. They're praising God. That they're even counted worthy to even take the stripes to preach the gospel. And they get so excited. They get so thrilled. They get so turned on about what Jesus is doing in their life. See, not, 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 what he, not what they're not seeing, but what he is doing. They get so thrilled about what Jesus is doing, they forget about all the other stuff. So it's so easy for us to focus on the negative instead of focus on the positive. I always say it this way. You say, well, my back hurts, and my this hurts, and my this hurts. Well, what doesn't hurt? I always say, how's your eyebrows doing? Are they in pain? Well, no. I said, well, rejoice that you're free from pain in your eyebrows. And how's your ear? Well, it hurts. Go somewhere it doesn't hurt. Thank God for that. It's so easy to focus on what's not working. But what is God doing? What's God doing in your life? Focus on that. That's where he's trying to work right now. Amen. Work with him where he's working. So that you can turn these disappointments into a divine appointment. So what is he currently doing? It needs to be celebrated. Celebrated. In our hearts and minds, we know that all things are possible once again, Right? But the scripture says all things are possible to him that believes. How many believers do we have? Amen. Amen. So the way in which you deal with disappointments will determine the degree to which you will, listen to this, the way that you deal with these disappointments in life will determine the degree to which you invade the impossible. Because, see, you're, you're called to invade. Right? You're, you're called to play offense, not just defense. Most Christians just live defensively. Well, the devil's after me. Well, he's going to get you one day. Granny told me he was going to get me many times. <laughs> I used to play rock and roll. And she told me the devil was going to get me. She said, what is that mess? I said, Granny, that's rock and roll. She said, that's the devil's music. I said, no, Granny, that's, that's foreigner and sticks. And she said, that's, I don't know what about no sticks. She said, that's the devil. I never did a little listen to my Kiss album. Much less see the cover of it. <laughs> of course, she lived in a time when she came up, you know, there wasn't a lot of stuff. So she, she just had a hard time. The world was progressing, and it was being modernized. And she, she grew up with horse and buggy kind of stuff. And her family had one of the first cars in this county. But she, just, we, she never believed to her death that a man ever went to a moon. I remember one day talking, I said, now, Granny, of course they went to the moon. She said, don't you talk like that. She said, That's, she said, if God would want you to be on the moon, live on the moon, he'd have put you there. I said, well, we're not living on the moon. We're just exploring. She says, no, you're not. I said, well, you saw it on TV a while ago. You saw that rocket ship go up in there. I said, where do you think that they went? Now, remember, she's hardly ever left the, you know, the state or probably the county much. She said, they're up at Red Mountain. She'd been up there. It looked rather elevated. <laughs> you think I convinced her otherwise? 
You're right, I didn't. But you and I are called to invade. Say invade. invade. Say impossible. impossible. Say I'm going to invade, invade the impossible. Because mm-hmm. if you don't invade the impossible, the impossible is going to begin to invade you. And only the Holy Spirit can show us how you can turn a disappointment into a divine appointment. You know, we, we, we carry, all of us does, I do, I have. And I'm, so I'm preaching to all of us today. I'm talking to all of us. A lot of us carry a consciousness sometimes of disappointments in our life. A regret, a disappointment, uh, an inward sense of unhappiness about something. You know, all disappointment is is just a failed expectation. I talked to a pastor the other day, and he said, my church hadn't done a, a pastor's appreciation for me in 10 years. He said, last year on, 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 uh, on um, Pastor Appreciation Day, which someone decided that was October, he said, uh, one of my members told me, happy Pastor's Appreciation Day. I said, well, what did they do for you? He says, no, they just told me happy. He said, like it's my birthday. Well, that's not good. And certainly he feels, you know, how he feels, right? But, you know, it's really better because when we have these disappointments, it's usually failed expectations. So you thought your kids would do this, this, and this, and they did some of this. But you probably could go back and remember when you was their age, and you, you might have done two of them things. Okay, you probably didn't, right? But what I'm saying is, we, we thought it would be like this. The expectation was here. We thought they would do this with us. We thought that this would happen. We thought, we thought surely they'll see, and they'll do it this way, and it didn't work that way. So it sets you up for a disappointment. I hate preaching funerals that I didn't win in. I hate it. Hmm? I remember going to a funeral to a friend of mine who pastored for years, and they were trying to say what they were going to say, and I said, it doesn't matter. He's here. Paul said, death, you ain't got no victory over me. He said, death, you ain't got no sting. Why? Because Jesus took the sting out. You know, the scripture says in 1 John 3, said that when, we, when we're born again, we passed over from death into life. Now they're into absolute life. If you want a little study to go along with that, which is absolutely true, I think it's thrilling. If you ever do the study on words, it says we passed over death into life. Did you know the word pass means he picked you up, up and over and through? So that when death comes to you, you never know it. Did you know when death comes to a believer, the believer never knows it? I'm talking about to a physical body. When, when death comes to the physical body, the real you on the inside never knows it because you've been passed over, picked up and passed over. It's like two trucks. There's no way out to be about a head-on head collision, two 18-wheelers. 
wouldn't it be cool if someone could just reach in the cabin and pick you up <clears throat> before they went. <clears throat> so when death comes to a physical body, to a believer, Jesus reaches in there, he picks that believer up, <clears throat> passes them over, and takes them to the other side. So Paul says, where's your sting? You don't have one, do you? Why? Because Jesus already died for every believer so that you wouldn't have to die. You understand what I'm saying about wouldn't have to die? In other words, he already took the sting of death so you never feel the sting of death. I mean, all you know is you just be kind of like you're doing this one day and all of a sudden you'll be in heaven. You say, well, I guess that gig's over. <laughs> right? Y'all doing all right? Can you handle this a little bit more? So we have to trust the Holy Spirit to show us how to turn these disappointments into an appointment. Amen. So we carry this consciousness of disappointment sometimes in our life. It's just not good. A lot of times this happens to put it in the context of what we're teaching is we've stepped out. I know I certainly have. I know a lot of you have. We've stepped out into the supernatural to, to, to minister life to someone, to minister healing to someone, to give a word to someone, to encourage one, someone. But especially, too, in the area of the physical where we've, where we've stepped out with the, the word, the promise of the word, and we stepped out, and we didn't have the success that we hoped to have. And if that's never happened to you, it's because you just never done anything yet. Right? Because if you reach out and you minister to people who's terminal, it's going to happen to you sometime. Amen. Here's, here's something you need to remember. When, when people get in enough trouble physically, and, and don't think bad of them, when people get in enough trouble physically, they're looking for the way out. You, wonder, you may wonder why they, they don't say, I live and not die and declare the works of the Lord. See, the, the, the spirit of that person sometimes begins to see what glory looks like and feels like. And uh, the pull of Walmart comes off of them. <laughs> you say, well, yeah, but they got sisters and brothers and this and that. They know, but they're seeing paradise. They feel drawn towards it. Amen. My first six months in ministry, I was preaching. And my mother just checks out and leaves, goes. Gone. You know, I just, just fresh out of Bible school. I'm, I'm preaching something like this about supernatural stuff, reading Smith Wigglesworth stuff, and I'm saying, we're going to see the day when the dead, the dead's going to be raised. I had no idea we was going to talk about it in 20 minutes. And she leaves. She's gone. We have medical people there who know things. Can't get a pulse. Can't get a heart rate. Can't find the pupils. Discoloration sitting in. Well, she's still right here. So her experience that day, she said, I was leaving the building, and I, she said, I would say I came out of my body. She said, it seemed like I, le I left. She said, it seemed like I, the spirit of me exited out, I would say, through my mouth. And she said, I went to the top of the building, and, you know, she was never conscious, but never, she never, you know, if you did the eyelids, you can't find any pupils. She's flat on her back, and so she says, in church, 
So we're praying, and I'm just rebuking the spirit of death off of her and the command of life to go into her body. I, I just never thought about anything medically. Sometimes I think, well, why didn't I do that? Well, the Lord wouldn't leave me, apparently, because I had medical people there. Medical people who, are, who have wisdom, right? But it just, it just never entered my mind to go that route. And nothing was happening in the sense that you could see anything was happening. I'm rebuking death, and death looks like it's staying in full strength. But she said, I exited out of my body. She said, and I went, she said, and it's like a, I'm looking down as I'm leaving. And she said, here's who's around me. And I said, yeah, that's, that's, yeah, that's, that's who was around you. Well, how could she know that? She's a flat on her back, her eyelids are closed. If you open her eyelids once again, you can't even find no people. So there's no pulse. They're checking it here. They're checking it here. They're checking it there. They're listening for the heart. There's just nothing. Well, no one had cell phones back then. Well, if we did, they was about that large. Matt was trying to run to a cell phone, and he ran out to a cell phone where Fred's is now in Clanton, and there, but, but there's no cell phone there, so he ran to a house and just ran in the door. Don't do that nowadays. Someone will shoot you. <laughs> he went down to see if he could use a phone to get, a, to, get, to get an ambulance coming, and he's just trying to help. He just runs in the door, can't use your phone. Don't do it today, right? You, they will need a medic. But anyway, so anyway, at the end of all that, several minutes went by. And there was just, it had to be in the gifts of the Spirit, like a supernatural faith. Because I, I remember like something just dropping on me, just, I always said like it's a heavy coat, and someone picked it up and threw it on me. And there was just nothing in me that could doubt. There was just nothing in there. I mean, they just, I, I, I could see them shaking their heads at one another. There ain't no pause there. There ain't no, it's, it's, it's curtains are gone here. And there was, that just didn't do anything. That didn't deter me in the least. Not because I'm great or my faith is great. I, I believe it was the gift of faith. And so when you got the gift of faith out in operation, I mean, I caught like super high octane. You know, God, just, you know, let light be. And the light is, right? And so she began to, when she, she said I was going, this is at the end of the day, when I got talked to her, she said it's like I was going through this shaft and I was going through this tunnel and I was trying to get up to this tunnel, and I was trying to get up to this tunnel, trying to get up to the tunnel, because she said there was so much peace, and there was so much happiness, there was so much joy. I just wanted to get to the end of it and experience it. She said, I could, like, I could see the light, and I was coming through this place. And then she said, all of a sudden, I began to descend, and descend, and descend, and descend. And then she said she came back down, 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 floated down through the atmosphere. She said, came back down, you know, to familiar territory, went through the building, came to the ceiling of the church, and she said, and now this is who was around me, praying for me in a different position. I said, that's right. So-and-so was here, and so-and-so was here. How'd she know that? That means, you're, that means when you, we leave here, we're not a body. We're a spirit. We leave that old thing around. How, how many, uh, be honest with you, you're thrilled that you're going to get a new body? You appreciate the one you got, but you're like, hey, you know, that's, we threw you. You know, now you know you didn't do me right when so and so, <laughs> right? I mean, you, you you get the same you get the same spirit body as Jesus. You, your spirit. In other words, you you walk through walls. That's cool, right? I mean, you just think ice cream and you'll be there with some of it. I'm not missing heaven. Hallelujah. So. There's a consciousness of that thing, you see. 
And so she said she heard, she heard, she said, she said but I want to stay. Let me stay, I want to stay. And, and she said she heard a voice that says, you can't come here, he won't let you. Well, he, he was what I was saying. I said, no, I, I, I rebuke the spirit of death. You will live and you will not die. And you will declare the works of the Lord. Right? And then I was, I was quoting scripture. In other words, I was, I was using his authority. But being near that presence, she wants to be there. Right? Well, she should know there's kids and grandkids and spouses and all that kind of stuff, but she was too overwhelmed with the glory of it all. So when people get enough trouble, they just want out. Right? Don't, feel, don't be mad at them. Don't be sad at them. Don't be mad at yourself. It's a great place to be. Matter of fact, I hope it's your goal. Right? So let's talk about the setback for just a moment. Uh, real quickly, let's look at the scripture, then we're going to pick it up real fast. Matthew 17. Y'all doing all right? Matthew 17. I'm glad that you came, and I hope you gl you'll be glad also. Matthew 17. Now, the disciples had just had a great experience. Jesus had sent them out by twos. They came back, and they said, wow. You know, he taught them to what? Heal the sick and cast out devils and preach this and do this. And, you know, he says, and uh, he says, the, the devils will be subject to you. And they came out, man, they were thrilled. They said, boy, we had us some fun up in him. We went down to Cooter's house down there, and they were 13 demons down there. We cast them all out. They come out, Wah! we went down over here, and there was a man with a withered hand. There was one, we rebuked the fever. We did all this, we did all that. We had a great time. It was just like you said. We just used your name and just like, woof. Remember that? Then there was this day. In Matthew 17, verse 14 through 21, it says, When they were come to the multitude, there came to him a certain man kneeling down to him and saying, Lord, have mercy on us, for he is lunatic and so vexed, and oftentimes he falleth into the fire and often into the water. And I brought him to your disciples, and they can't cure him. Didn't say they wouldn't. Said they what? Didn't say they didn't try. They can't. But they what? They can't do it. We brought him to them. They can't do it. And Jesus answered and said, well, it must not be God's will. Oh, no, he didn't say that. He answered and said, you faithless and perverse generation, how long am I going to have to be with you? How long am I going to suffer you? Bring him to me. And Jesus did what? Rebuked the devil. He did what? He rebuked the devil. And he notice he didn't have a conversation with him. Now, who are you? Who's your mom and them? Who's your first cousin? I know your daddy's Beelzebub, but no, he, no, did he do all that? Did he interview the devil? Did he? I know I'm just playing with you, but I mean, he did what? The word rebuke means he is, is the, is the Hebrew, is the Greek word. The word rebuke is the Greek word, if I pronounce it right. If I don't, then get over it. It's uh, eptomeo. In other words, when he rebuked the devil, it means he judged the devil from a higher level. When Jesus walked into Peter's house, he rebuked Peter's mother-in-law's fever. In other words, he went to the fever and he rebuked it. He judged the fever at a higher level. He said, I have authority over you, fever, and I rebuke you. I judge you because I'm on a higher level than you. Y'all like that? 
Where's we at? 18? Then came the disciples to Jesus apart, you know, and they have a question, right? In other words, the boys get delivered, but these disciples, they're like, now what's up? Right? Why do they have a question? Because they're disappointed, right? They're discouraged. They're in shock. They're in awe. They said, now how come we couldn't do that? How come we couldn't cast him out? And Jesus said to them, because of your unbelief, for verily I say unto you, if you have faith as a grain of mustard seed, you shall say unto this mountain, see, if you have faith, faith will say, remove hence to yonder place, and it shall remove, and nothing is impossible to who? So, well, let's keep on reading, because this is where, when you hear these sermons preached, this is what they usually say. Well, it's, it's because this kind goeth out by, not but by prayer and fasting. Then we hear a 47 series about prayer and fasting which is scriptural. But you leave the subject to do that. Jesus didn't say the demon didn't come out because you haven't been praying and fasting. He said, this demon doesn't come out. He said, it'll take you prayer and fasting on this kind to get rid of your unbelief. Not, not prayer and fasting is going to do it. He said, but at this point, you need prayer and fasting. He says, because he gave them the answer in verse 20. How come we couldn't do it? It's because of your what? Did he say it's because of your lack of prayer and fasting? He said, it's because of your what? Is anyone, is anyone confused about that? It's because of your what? Your unbelief. But this kind can come out. You need to meditate on the word. You need to spend some time alone with the Word and with God. You need to cut back a meal. You need to get in the Word. Get rid of this unbelief. You, 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 you understand what I'm saying? Because if a demon thinks that you believe that, every demon that you, that you address, he, say, he said, no, we the fast and the prayer kind. <laughs> right? Because they're all liars, right, anyway? <laughs> now, we, we, don't, we only the kind that you have to fast 30 days. Yeah. Or you have to get on the Daniel fast. They tell you that, so while you're over 30 days starving, they can kill the guy. <laughs> They're a bunch of liars. Right? you over there hungry while they're killing your buddy. Now, we that kind. <laughs> we not that easy. But then what happens is Jesus cast the demon out to what? Prove that it was the will of God. Because it was the will of God, right? Because Jesus cast him out. But today when we do something, if we're, if we're unsuccessful with it, and healing someone, then the church says, well, you know, it's, it just wasn't God's will. Or it was his time. I gave you my thinking process last week. When I give this to you, you know, I, I, it's just the way my brain works. And I'm sorry, you, you may not agree with it, and you don't have to agree with me, because I don't know. I, whenever I put me in here, I say, this is me, not a scripture. Okay, so this is Eric. This is not a scripture. So if Uncle Fred gets hit by a Greyhound bus and dies, what are you going to say? It was his time. Because the Bible says... It's once upon you the time for man to die. 
It does say that, doesn't it? Does it tell you when the appointment is? Huh? Does it tell you when the appointment is? Have you ever read about all these scriptures about what you can do to add life? You ever read Psalms 9 and 91? You ever read about children obey your parents because it comes with the promise of long life? You ever read all the scriptures about what you can do to shorten your life? So it looks like you have something to do with the increase or the decrease of your life, right? You say, yeah, but the Bible says over, I think it's somewhere, it's in the Bible. It's in the Bible. Like Richard Nixon, it's in the Bible. Well, where's it in the Bible? Yeah, well, man, about 70 to 80 years. Well, go over and read your Bible where it says that in Psalms 90. They said that was given to Israel as a penalty because of their rebellion. That God lowered it to 70 and You're not Israel. You're not under that covenant. So get out from under it. Because if you turn 90, how did you get out of the... If God said let there be light, there was what? If he said 70, 80, how did you get to be 81? But here's, here, here's the Eric part. So Uncle Fred gets hit by a Greyhound bus, right? Okay, he's having a bad day. <laughs> so the church says, Uncle Fred's time. Well, because he has a what? Follow the thought. He has an appointment, right? It's appointed one for man to die. Now, who decides, who, de who decides the appointment? Well, apparently God does, right? Who decides the method of leaving? God picked out a bus for Uncle Fred? <laughs> I, I'm just, you know, this is the, this is the theology that, that, we're, that we're, we're hearing at, at funerals, right? Yeah. Who picked out the method? Well, it, it was a clean sweep. <laughs> a clean sweep? They're still scraping Uncle Fred off that bus, right? That ain't clean. That's nasty, right? Then you got to take it down to Nathan and see what he can do with the bus. You know, who's going to ride in it again? It's a good job for him, but I mean, my goodness, right? So here they are trying to get Uncle Fred off, so we're explaining. Well, you know, we just don't know all things are working together. Didn't work together too good for Fred. You say, well, it was the devil. Oh, it was the devil. So God makes the, God makes the appointment, and then he calls the devil and says, Beelzebub, need you to do something for me. Oh, because they're laborers together, right? Give me a preacher break. <laughs> Could be that the Spirit of God was telling Uncle Fred, not, don't go downtown. Don't walk through that green light. Yeah. That is green, boy. Well, I'm in a hurry. I got to get down there to the buffet. Stay, Uncle Fred. Stay, Uncle Fred. Stay, Uncle Fred. I got to go get the meatloaf. <laughs> well, God took him. No, no, God received him. He didn't take nothing. The bus took him. Yeah, right. right? The devil accommodated him with a big old bus. And then we blame it all on God. I rest my case. <laughs> and you want to serve a God like that? Right? So these disciples, the, <laughs> you know, they're in shock. They said, we, we, we just cast the devils out. We, we told one to fly this way, one to fly that way, and they accommodated us. <laughs> and then we, we talked to this devil right here. And he, and he just looked at us. Why couldn't we do it again? This kind comes out by prayer and fasting. What? Your unbelief. Your unbelief, right? <clears throat> so that, that's, what, that's what they asked the question. Now, here's the part that I think is really important to you about dealing with this disappointment. It's really important that we get this. 
if we don't deal with disappointment, we're not ever going to begin to invade the impossible, and the impossible is going to begin to invade us. Jesus has given us some weaponry. Some say weaponry. To help us with these things. There's two weapons. We'll finish right here. Two weapons to deal with disappointment. One is called joy, and one is called peace. In about five minutes, someone's going to be really glad they came. You said, well, I've been waiting. Okay, joy and peace. Two weapons. Two weapons. Philippians 4, 4, you don't have to turn this. Paul tells us to what? Rejoice in the Lord always. And, and then he does what? Then he says again, I say what? Rejoice. If, re if anything's a re, it's a what? It's a do-over. You know, Hollywood, retake. Do-over, right? You ever left your laundry and forgot what was in there and soured? You had to redo it. Right? Anyone, anyone ever cut the grass and it came back? <laughs> anyone ever got a bad haircut? Look, for men, it's okay. Two weeks you'll get another. It'll, it'll all grow back out again. They say that's the difference between the bad haircut and the good haircut two or three weeks. It'll all come back. Hallelujah. If you bald, it don't make any difference. Hallelujah. You're good. Amen? So re means anything. It means to do that over again. So if you're having to do it again, it means that you lost what you did the first time, right? If you lose your joy during the day that you need your joy, then you got to go back and get it. you got to go back and do what? Rejoice. Rejoice in the Lord always. And again, I say rejoice. If you lose your joy, you got to get it back. So you got to re, you got to joyce up. You got to juice your joy. Y'all with me? So you just take all the Hebrew and all the stuff out here and just talk normal, right? If you lost your joy, you need it back. Why? Because the joy of the Lord is your strength. Well, if you don't have joy, you don't have, and the Bible says if you don't have strength, then you'll lose in the day of adversity. You'll lose. I mean, now, how many of y'all like to lose? How many teach your kid to be good losers? Right? They need to have a good attitude if they do lose about something, right? Do we, do we, do we want to teach them how to masterfully lose? No. So Paul says, if you lost your joy, you need to read it. You need to rejoice. need to rejuice. You need to go back and get your joy. Are y'all with me? So if you feel weak, if you feel disappointed, if you feel defeat, defeated... If, if you stood out and you stepped out to go in the supernatural, you didn't get the results, he says you need to count all joy. You need to rejoice. Why? Because if not, he'll begin to invade your life, and then you'll adjust your theology to believe something different that's not a truth. Right? We adjust our theology, and we make reasons and excuses why when we stepped out of the Word, we didn't get the results, so it, it, it affects us. And disappointment gets in your soul and gets in your mind. It begins to affect you like poison. And you need to keep that poison out. And you do that, one, by rejoicing. Amen. Not because it happened, but rejoice because the Word's still true. Amen. The Word is still true. Amen. So we need to realize that we need to resupply our strength in the joy of the Lord. Paul said, when I was weak, I found out that the Spirit of grace made me strong. So if you feel weak and you feel defeated and you feel crushed and you feel like you're a person, you feel like you have no strength today, 
that you can't rely on your own strength, then you need to go get the right kind of strength, right? From the tough stains, you've got to shout them out. Now, you remember the scripture says Jesus Christ is the Prince of Peace? Remember that? Peace is a supernatural sign. Listen to me. Peace is a supernatural sign of the government of God, of which there shall be no end. Peace is a supernatural sign of the government of God, which shall be no end. So when peace increases, the kingdom of God likewise also increases. When you increase in the peace of God, the government of God increases in that situation. Don't turn there before your notes. Romans 16, 20 says, The God of peace will crush Satan. The God of peace, Romans 16, 20, The God of peace will crush Satan. If you read on, it says, He will crush Satan, but He'll do it under your feet. Read it in Amplified. The God of peace will crush Satan, and He'll do it. He'll crush him under your feet. Why? Because when you're, in, when, when you're full of joy, you're usually moving around. If you put Satan under your, under your head, y'all good country folks, how I many of y'all know what a Maypop is? He puts his Maypop head under your shoe. How many of y'all don't know what a Maypop is? That's okay. I worked on a lot of farms in Jump County. Uh, you, you know what Maypops are. Looks like a big old bell pepper, and you stop on it like a balloon. Go, he said he'll crush him under your feet. So what I'm saying is the God of peace will crush the enemy under the feet of men who take up rest in the everlasting peace of this kingdom. How many know peace and joy are not circumstances? It's not based on your circumstances. Peace and joy is an inward state of knowing. It's an inward state of being. Peace and joy are two of the fruits of the Spirit. Right? There are, there are spiritual force. Peace is a spiritual force. Joy is a spiritual force. And where do they reside? They reside on the inside of you. Joy and peace are not connected to the outside realm of circumstances. In other words, Jesus was sleeping in the hinder ship of, of the boat, and there was a storm of hurricane proportions, and he was at peace. He was sleeping. You know, everybody's, we, 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 what, 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 what did they say? There's a storm. It's coming this way. I mean, every app's going off now. <laughs> right? And Jesus. <laughs> and what did he do? He got up and rebuked the what? And, and the insurance company calls, that was an act of God. Well, Jesus didn't know that. Because if he if had been God, he'd have got up and rebuked his daddy. Stop it! No, he did what? He rebuked it. Oh, he judged it from a higher level. You're on a higher level than a storm. Amen. You can come to the surface of the ground now. Hallelujah. Bring your almond joys and Dr. Peppers and come back up on top. Hallelujah. <laughs> so if you stay in peace, if you stay in joy, the mountain of opposition will level out. If you stay in peace and you stay in joy, the mountain of opposition will level out. Paul gave, you, Paul gave us in Romans 15, 13, I think it's there is, he gave you a way to do a self-examination to know if you're in faith. 
I think it's Romans 15, 13, somewhere around there. He said, he said here's how you know if you're in faith. He said, but here's two main ways to know you're in faith about something. He said, how's your peace and how's your joy? I mean, if you're, if you're on a long trip, a long trip, don't you kind of watch the gas gauge? If you have an older car, you might be a little concerned. You might watch the temperature gauge, right? Two, two pretty good indicators of what's going on under the hood, right? But the two indicators, if you're in faith, is how's your peace and how's your joy? And sometimes people just say things because they say things because they're wordy people and they know scriptures, but it's not in their heart. They're not established in their heart. So they're upset because of circumstances, but they're trying to quote scriptures in their circumstances. And someone says something to them, say, lay it on, I'm in faith about this. <laughs> I believe. I believe. Help me, I believe. Well, that's not fully persuaded. That's fully scared. Right? Right? Faith works by love. Don't you say that's negative. Don't say it. Abide you say. No, faith works by love. So Paul said, here's how we know if you're in faith. He says, how's your peace level and how's your joy level? So peace is not your circumstances. And joy is not your circumstances. Line up. Your circumstances can be crazy as you know what. Right? But you still be at peace. Everybody's getting laid off. And they say, you're next. And you say, well, well, whatever. God supplies all my needs. <laughs> right? And everybody over there, you know, just waiting for their name to come out. And they're chewing their fingers. Like, <laughs> Going to sign up for our, our pennies. <laughs> and you're like, well, you know, whatever. God takes care of me. He supplies all my needs according to his riches. Not my riches, but his riches. So, here's what you do when you get in these circumstances. Because what? You're called to invade the impossible. And when these things happen, because you're, you're an ambassador of Christ, you're going out, you may have a situation, sometimes don't turn it the way you want it to. What you going to do? You cannot let these things embed in your soul. Why? Because it's already been determined. I read it. We win. You win. Tell someone, you win. All right, let's finish here. So when you go forth in peace and joy, the mountain of, I said, of opposition will break forth in song. Joy will invade the impossible. Isn't it Psalm 16 that says, in his presence there's what? Fullness of joy. We know Jesus is joyful, isn't he? Thank you, Michelle. We know Jesus is joy, don't we? He's full of joy. So when we stand before him one day, when this life is over and when we get into heaven, this is what he says to us. He says, enter into what? The sadness of the Lord. <laughs> enter in. This is going to be a long time. There's long lines. And we thought we had prepared enough for the marriage supper of the Lamb, but there's a little shortage. Right? Huh? Enter into the what? Enter into the joy of the Lord. This is, this, is, this is the first thing that you hear from Jesus. Enter into the joy of the Lord. Welcome, welcome home. So heaven is a place of ecstasy and overwhelming happiness, right? I mean, you've you got to get a new body because this body will explode. You've got to get a new spirit that can even contain the joy of heaven. 
Wow. Hmm? I guess that's why people try to do drugs. They, they need this feeling, whatever. That, that's a counterfeit. It gets you arrested, it gets you addicted, it gets you hooked. Go to heaven, they don't arrest you there. You can just float around like, whoa, dude. <laughs> For a couple of eons. Whoa, dude, glad I came here. Jesus is referred to by, uh, the Holy Spirit is referred to by Jesus as the new wine of this covenant. That means there's far more intoxication than the old covenant on the old wine. Uh, moving right along. Use that word in, in the church. The laughter in the Holy Spirit is a holy weapon against diseases, deception, sicknesses and discouragement. You can go onto Google and you can find you can find places where they have laughing get-togethers. They some are just natural stuff, they just tell jokes. And these people are terminal. I am I'm, I'm serious. I am absolutely Google it. I didn't say they're preachers. I just said uh, this is just like going to the comedy club and they're and they're and they're just man they're ripping them out. And people with cancer and all kinds of things just like <laughs> oh and they're, they're checking these people before and after, and they're finding out when they leave there that cancer cells dies every time they engage in laughter. Why? Because they found a Bible, a Bible truth they stumbled across, which says laughter is like medicine. And there's a whole bunch of Christians need an overdose. Yes, yeah, we're just living for the Lord. Not much. Because Jesus was anointed above all his fellows. He had the oil of joy. And you've been drained. Right? I don't know why I don't win people. I know, I know why you don't win people. They don't want to be like you. They're afraid they'll turn into you. Well, we're going to go church, serve the Lord. I don't want to go there. What? I want to go to heaven. One, because it's just going to be so fun. And we get to eat. Aren't you so glad that God didn't cut off eating when we get to heaven? Someone says, well, he could have made our body that we don't need it. I don't want to not eat. I want to be able to eat. How many of y'all like that? So I say, you are weird. Yeah, but I'm screwed onto the right bolt. Huh? Might be a nut, but I'm on the right bolt. So laughter really is. It gets rid of disease, it gets rid of deception, it gets rid of sickness, and it gets rid of discouragement. He's given us the oil of joy instead of mourning, the scripture says. He's given us the garment of praise instead of the spirit of heaviness. The Bible says we shall go with joy and be led forth with peace. Hmm. Joy smashes the gates of hell. So that's why he said, re, do again, retake, rejoice in the Lord. The Bible says, those who sow in tears shall reap in joy. Isaiah says, joy draws waters from the well of salvation. Now where's the well of salvation? Point to me, tell me where the well of salvation is. It's right here. How, how do you get joy to come up? See, that's it. We get joy to do what? Come up instead of fall down. God, give me some joy. No, you, you uh, uh, go like this. <laughs> right? Change your focus. The joy is right here. Isaiah said you have to draw out of the well of salvation because joy is in there. When we moved from Detroit to Clanton, Alabama in 1968, my grandmother had just had running water put in, but she had an old well with a bucket on there. 
being from Detroit, I never saw a dirt road, much less a well with a bucket. I didn't. When we went down that dirt road, I said, what is that stuff on us? They said, that's dust. I said, what's dust like that? I mean, just a red dirt road. And I found out next week what yellow jackets was and chiggers and red bugs. Little Yankee boy from Detroit, I said, take me home, take me home. There's nothing to do here. I got stung by, by three wasps. My head got bigger than it already is. Imagine that. And, uh, yeah, I just thought this is a terrible place. My mother's taking me to hell, and I'm only five or six. But Isaiah said, you've got to draw from, the, from your well, right? And it's, and it's easy when we, when, we have, when we have the praise team up here, and they're singing, and we're dancing. You know, but Nathan can't meet you up and play them drums every day. You know, I don't feel merry. Make me merry. Come on. It's your job. Right? No, you, you, you have to stir it up yourself, right? David had to encourage himself in the Lord. And it's not always easy. I get it's not easy. Sometimes you have to take small baby steps. I mean, everything in the world is going wrong. And you just have to go, he, he, he. He, he, he. You said, well, that'd just be putting it on. The Bible told you to be put on. It said, put off the old man, put on the new man. So you're supposed to put on. Don't you get scripture with me? You got to put on the new man in Christ Jesus, right? So you just start off with he, he, he. Ho, ho, ho. Ha, ha, ha. Laughter's like what? So when you laugh, you're killing the disease. I believe when you laugh, it kills fat. <laughs> I think I hit something there. And skinny people who want to gain weight, they gain weight. There's not many of y'all here. <laughs> we in the South, aren't we, right? This is the South. So all, all the fat cells begin to die. They're like disease and germs, right? So what? Ha, 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 ha. Some of y'all say, well, I don't need that. Yeah, some of you do now. Come on. I understand we're just full gospel. We're not fat. I had a preacher's wife tell us one time. I won't tell you who this is. You know who it is. She said, you, you know, we don't look good, good skinny when we get older. I said, well, why is that? She said, well, you know, you can't help but some wrinkles coming in your face. She said, but if you're, if you're fatter, she said, it'll push them out. And I thought, that's right. That's right. That's God. You know, if you're skinny and, you know, your kind of eyes are sunk back and whatever, and you start getting wrinkles, but, it, you know, if you, it ain't worth it. Oh, okay. Go work with me now here. Ms. <laughs> Bar said, it ain't worth it. Just go with the wrinkles. Don't iron your face. That would hurt. So Isaiah said, we, we draw water from the well of salvation. So you, you, you have to draw it out. So you have to, you know, he just, he, he, ha, 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 ha. They said, our, Isaiah 126 says, speaks of Israel coming out of captivity. It's what Brother Cope has been preaching for years about the system of Babylon. And Israel was, was actually captive to Babylon. And they found out they didn't have to be. And they came out. And they began to rejoice. And, and, and they said, they said, our mouths was filled with laughter and our tongues with singing, with songs of joy. Micah said, if you're going to get one scripture back there, have you still got to where you can use it? Go to Habakkuk chapter 3, and I'm going to give them this one while you're doing that. Micah 7, 8, and I got one more scripture. 
Mark 7, 8 says, Rejoice not over me, O my enemy. When I fall, not if I fall, but when I fall, know this, I shall arise, and when I sit in darkness, the Lord shall be a light unto me. So he says, there'll be some times in your life it's not going to go the way you thought it would. He said, but I'm just going to rejoice. You see, the disciples had a bad day. They said, we don't understand. We've done this, we get this result. And then we did this, we got this result. Jesus proved that it was the will of God, and he fixed the whole thing. But he didn't let the disciples stay in that place. And they came out of that place. And they began to write the chapters of Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, and Acts, and -and so-and-so. What did they do? Because Jesus said, truth is this. The truth is, the works that I do is the same works that you're going to do, and you're going to do greater works. You say, yeah, but we failed today. He said, you're still going to do greater works even than I did. Mm-hmm. So you're not staying in that day. You're coming into a new day. Right. But he had to get them out of discouragement and out of shock and out of awe and out of disappointment so he could bring them into the book of Acts. Yeah. In the book of Acts, the same people in Acts chapter 5, they got healed, everyone healed of every disease, just like they said Jesus healed everyone of all things of all time. Same people who couldn't get the demon out was kicking the devil in Acts chapter 5. Right? Y'all with me? How back at chapter 3, we'll close here. 3, 17 through 19. Once you go over to the Amplified, let's see if it's, I can't remember which one. All right, here we go. Though the fig tree, even though your trees are not blossoming, There's no fruit on the vines, though the product of the olive fails and the fields are yielding no fruit, though the flock is cut off from the fold and there's no cattle in the stalls. Go go back. Go back. Now, now I know some of you may have fig trees. I'm going to say most of you don't. My mother's got a fig tree. It's so old, it looks wicked. It looks to possess. But I'm telling you, it makes some... It makes some figs. I, 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 I told that tree, I said, stop. Stop making. I ain't picking you no more. I don't know what she does to that tree. She probably speaks life over it, and I'm speaking death to it, and she's winning. I said, now, thank you. That's enough. Stop. I said, how long does figs make? She says, this week. I said, well, the tree don't know it. It don't know to shut off. So if your fig tree doesn't make, Brian, your fig tree didn't make it here, did it? No. And there's no fruit on your fig tree. And the product of your olive fails, and the fields are yielding no fruit. They didn't give you no raise down there. They said, you know, we're going to give you a cost of living. They didn't give you a cost of nothing. <laughs> right? Though the flock is cut off in the field, <laughs> they've lost your check in the mail. Right? You're supposed to get a refund, and then they found something you owe back from 1943. <laughs> and add interest to it. You go out there to feed the cattle, you go out to feed the dog, and somebody has stole them. <laughs> Sound like some of y'all's lives sometimes? <laughs> Next verse. This is Habakkuk. He says, yet, I will take some pills <laughs> until I see butterflies flying in the room. <laughs> Joy pills. Because there's doctors who write them. Because they'd like to charge Yet I will rejoice in the Lord, I will what? In the what? And the who? What kind of God? Victorious Victorious God. If your God's victorious, what are you? He can't be victorious and you and him and you a sad sack. (laughs) 
I just exalt in the dome of my Lord. No, you don't. Stop that mess. <laughs> you do what? You exalt in the victorious God of my salvation? What's the next verse say? The Lord is my strength. So why, See, it's Old Testament to say, Lord, I'm just praying for strength. See, that's Old Covenant. There's, there's nothing in the New Testament tells you to pray for strength. In the New Covenant, and even here, he says, the Lord God is what? He is your strength. My personal bravery. Woo. He's my invincible army. Some say, where is your God? Well, he's invincible. Can't see him, but he's everywhere. <laughs> you mess with me, he'll slap you the next Thursday. You better watch him. <laughs> right? <laughs> he, he makes my feet like hind's feet. Y'all know what a hind is? It's kind of like a deer, right? Yeah. Okay. And he'll make me to walk, not to stand still in what, Tara? But he makes me to walk and make spiritual what? Progress. Progress. See, we're going to invade the impossible. Yes. You all right? Okay. <laughs> Upon the high places. Don't be on the low side of trouble. Be on the high side. Yeah. Some say, I'm just under the barrel. One guy said, I ain't. I'm under the dirt that's under the barrel. <laughs> we'll, we'll get, get out, right? And the high place of trouble, suffering or, or responsibility for the chief musician has stolen my, sting, my instrument. They stole his guitar. And he's still happy. No, he didn't say that. Hallelujah. So what you going to do? Did y'all get your $2 worth a day? Ha, ha, ha. Come on, let's kill a few fat cells. No, <laughs> we live in lower Alabama. It may take a, may take a few minutes. <laughs> and some of y'all headed to the buffet. So if you get enough off and you go there, you'll still be even. <laughs> it's like that time I went on a cruise and someone says, yes, now you need to take some bigger pants with you. I said, why? They said, because, man, it's a floating trough. I said, it is. And it was, and I didn't take the big pants, and I gained nine pounds in four days. And I enjoyed every minute of it. Sometimes it's easier to get forgiveness than it is permission. Right? So the next time I went on a cruise, I was smart. I went to the gym, and I worked out, and I decreased. So, so that when I increased, I'd be right back where I wanted to be. <laughs> Hallelujah. So let's rejoice. Father, we just rejoice in you. We give you praise. We give you honor. Now you better watch it because you can just be sitting here and all of a sudden a miracle just take hold of you in the name of Jesus. Gloom and doom and despair can come off. Arthritis and bursitis have to leave your body in the name of Jesus. There's someone here you're concerned about your memory. And you think it's okay just because you're getting older. You say, I guess it's okay, but I, I'm having trouble remembering everything. Well, it's not okay. And I'm telling you, God's restoring right now. And I just, I just declare of you, you're going to begin to have perfect recall in the name of Jesus. I would say that you have the mind of Christ and the wisdom of God is formed within you. And I'm just saying the greater one who lives in you is going to be living through you and out of you in Jesus' name. Thank you, Father, in the name of Jesus. Thank you, Father, in Jesus' name. And I just speak to that joint pain right now in Jesus' name. And I command, if that's you, just put your hand 
If you can put it at that place where you're experiencing the most joint pain, might be in the knees, might be in the legs, might be in the hips, wherever it is, might be in the ankles, might be in your fingers and your joints. It could be arthritis, whatever it is. In the name of Jesus, I just speak to that joint pain and I command it in Jesus' name to leave, to go, to take a hike and to leave their body. Their body belongs to God in Jesus' name. I say that this is an environment, this is the environment, this is the environment conducive for miracles in Jesus' name. I thank you that the Holy Ghost of miracles is here in the name of Jesus and I just declare that you are receiving your miracle right now in Jesus' name. Not in my name, but in his name, the greater name. He is the king of this kingdom. He is king of kings, and he is lord of lords. And I just laugh at the enemy who thought he had me bound. Ha, 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 ha. No, you don't. No, you don't. No, you don't. I'll let joy, and I'll let the peace of this kingdom be increased and be established within my heart because I win in Jesus' name. In death, you don't have no victory. You, you can't sting us. We've already been delivered. We've then been picked up and passed over and placed in the kingdom of God and for such a time as this. In Jesus' mighty name, amen, amen, amen.